mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling timeless. Mm. Kind of timeless, like a Hollywood superstar icon. Oh, Rob. Which just happens to be our guest today, who's also, many people might not realize this, an extraordinarily talented painter. And you and I have been following her since the lockdown when she kind of began to share that she was making paintings. And Mm. in more recent years, she has just made a really exciting body of work, which is currently on display in Los Angeles. And you were just there for the Oscar week, filming uh, a new show with Ryan Murphy, and you got to meet them, go to the opening of our guest's wonderful exhibition, and hang out with a bona fide Hollywood icon. <laughs> now, today's guest, <laughs> today's guest is someone for me who's very important, because I think she is such an intelligent actor, and the empathy and the kind of depth that she brings in her performances is second to none. And I am so glad that, you know, even like last week, just seeing her at the Oscars in that incredible gown, looking so timeless, so iconic. And if you look back, I've been watching all the old films like Basic Instinct, Casino, uh, The Specialist, which was one of my favorite films when I was about 14. Honestly, I love that movie. And um, Ratched more recently on TV. And they're, they're an Emmy um, winner, a Golden Globe winner, an Academy Award nominee. The accolades are endless and they are very well deserved because I just think her acting is extraordinary and I'm so excited to find out about how art has come into her life and had an impact there as well so we are very proud and thrilled to welcome to Talk Art Sharon Sharon Stone Stone. (laughs) Hi Sharon Sharon. Hi Hi guys Thank you for coming on Oh my god it's so good to have you on Talk Art to bless us with your talent Um yeah, as Rob said, I, I had the privilege of meeting you at your opening. It is a, a Louche Gallery, which is 2685 South La Cienega in uh, Los Angeles. And it was an incredibly busy opening. And you were so kind to have a photo with me outside and we had a chat about the work and to come on the podcast. It's just a real privilege to talk to you about this side of your life. Thank you. Have you, uh, have you talked about this art side of your life a lot? Has it been something that's come up in a lot of interviews because you've shared a lot online and it's been wonderful following your journey from the lockdown, uh, I think, when you started. Is that correct? Well, um, I've done a couple of things about it, but not a lot. 
You know, it's just something that it has been a very private, um, meditative, safe place for me. It's not something I did intentionally to create a show. Mm-hmm. It's not something I did particularly to create a public awareness. How did you decide to, or how did art become something that you turned to? Well, it's something I did when I was a kid. My aunt uh, had two masters, one in painting and one in English literature. And so it's something I grew up around quite a bit. And uh, so that's what I studied at university, though I ended up getting a degree in humanities. Um, These were things, subjects that I was greatly interested in at school. But then that old acting thing got in the way. Yeah, that, yes. (laughs) That whole acting thing, you know, just got, took up a lot of my time. And, you know, those, the paints are a lot to drag around. So uh, in recent years, I've been doing watercolors uh, on the road because I can take those uh, in my suitcase. Or as my kids said when they were little, my suitcases. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think my kids thought I was a soup salesman. Um, um, so um, then uh, when um, then during lockdown, I started working with my brushes again to regain my brush stroke. And I started working with acrylics. I like them because they dry quickly Uh and because my brain moves quickly. Um, It it works well for my mentality. So I started working on just sort of... uh, you know, what do we call boards, which aren't stretched canvases. Mm -hmm. And then about, I don't know, 15, 12, 15 paintings in, I decided, you know, I'm going to buy a canvas. And I went over to the paint store and purchased a four-by-four-foot canvas. And pretty soon I purchased about 15 of them. Oh, wow. And... Before long, I was painting on really large canvases, six by eight foot canvases. And before long, I had gotten rid of all the furniture in my bedroom and was, had gotten a tiny little bed shoved over by the fireplace. And then pretty soon, my kids had a little powwow with me that they thought I was asphyxiating myself. <laughs> next to the gas right <laughs> and uh, perhaps I should move out of the bedroom and get myself a studio wow and um what is it about painting for you then because if you think about being an artist it's often quite a solitary um meditative and obviously frustrating at times too while you're trying to work out an image but what is it for you that draws you like that because it's obviously had this big pull the muse has kind of called you <laughs> Well, all those things are really wonderful when you think about having been an actress for so many years, Mm. where you're sort of, you know, the hub, the hub of the wheel of activity, and everyone is 
talking to you and touching you and fixing you and moving you and changing you and telling you what to do constantly. It's just so wonderful to be alone and to work out all of those problems by yourself. It's just great not to be too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too blonde, too brown, too white, too black, too this, too that. It's just great to just work out those things and have your solitude. It's given me these years to regain the core of my own creativity, the center of my own universe, the balance to my own ship, the rightness to my own emotional center, the the wind in my own sails. It's just been very, very restorative as an artist. It's it's incredibly inspiring. And I'm fascinated by this idea that the artist was always present, but you've sort of put them on the bench waiting to be added to emerge. And now's the time. The artist was always there. The artist, it's a similar thing. I mean, it's weird how much mixing paint is like cooking. You know, it's mixing your ingredients. It's finding that perfect hue, that perfect wavelength, that perfect flavor, that perfect tone, that perfect element that's just right. It's very much like finding that perfect emotional tone or tenor. It's, it's that contemplative moment that's between you and it. You know, what my dad would call plum. It's just that perfect finding that space. And on a set, you have to find that, that perfect place amid the chaos, amidst all of the everybody else. And when you're the actor, they're all on top of you while you're finding it. And it just was so wonderful to have an opportunity, both writing my book, I have to say, and then even at a, at a more private level with painting, where I could refine those spaces by myself. Mm. It's interesting thinking about writing, actually, because um, I think there is that thing, isn't there, when you're faced with the page, a bit like when you're faced with the canvas, and it's you and that, you know, that that thought, that um, moment uh, just before you express yourself. Like, it's mm. it's such a sort of quiet, personal thing. And I think having seen, I haven't actually seen the show in person, but I've been looking closely at the works um, documented through photography. And there's works like The River from 2022, which is, they're they're so kind of atmospheric and Mm. and they do feel like um incredibly authentic and and this genuine kind of um wanting to share um something that I think really offers the viewer a chance to you know maybe see themselves in it as well somehow like they're 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 very open I think that's what I'm trying to say Mm. the Um, river was a piece I did after I lost my godson and I wanted his name was river and I wanted to express my own awe at that experience, which was he died of sudden infant death, and then he was on a respirator for five days while we decided 
and learned through this process how, how it goes. Mm. And then we donated his organs and three, three other people got to live wow. by receiving his organs, which was both very difficult and an enormous gift for our family. Mm. And of course, for the families of the people who got to live by receiving his lungs and his heart and his kidneys. And the mystery and the absolute wonder and the awe that that inspired in me and the understanding that even this body that we leave has so much wonder attached to it. And my son, I have a son who is quite gifted uh, in the medical aspects. He's uh, still in high school, but he started studying uh, at Oxford when he was 14 in pre-med. And wow. he's already stood in on a four and a half hour brain surgery when he was 16. Mm. And he was very interested in medicine. And after that experience, he realized that he had one, he was studying neurosurgery, and he realized that if he could keep the heart alive, he could keep so many people alive. And he decided that he wanted to become a heart surgeon. God, amazing. And we learned so much about how life on this planet continues and what happens to the soul and how the soul continues within all of us and what it is to survive as a family. And it was very complicated and ultimately very beautiful in a very strange and complicated way. Mm. And when I finally, m much later, made that painting, I recognized as I did when my dad died after surviving esophageal cancer, and when he survived with a 1% of surviving, 3%, I guess, 1% was me with the brain thing. But when he survived esophageal cancer and I asked him what, because I said, if you make it, you're going to learn something so profound. And then I want you to tell me what it is. And it was so crazy when he was making it. I forgot to ask him what he learned. And years later, I said, oh, my God, I forgot to ask you what was your lesson. And he said, my lesson was to understand the wonder in each and every day. Mm. And I think for me, much of what I paint in the abstract is the wonder in each and every day. Mm. The wonder in a roll of clouds, the wonder in the reflection on the land, the wonder that we see in the ordinary. Wow, absolutely. And ab abstraction is your medium, people finding your work and discovering your work and it, it being out in the world now. Why do you think it is abstraction is the medium that you're expressing yourself through? Because I think much like the Kurosawa film Rashomon, that actually became a word 
in our dictionary. Rashomon is the way we all see things. Six people watch something, and we have six different interpretations of it. Abstract is the way we actually see things. Mm. We actually see things differently from one another. There is no reality <laughs> because we don't see things the same way. No two people see even a photograph that they're looking at the same way. So what is reality really anyway? I love that response. So, so when these, these, so these paintings, when you, you, you made them privately, you said, and when you made a decision to um, go on your social media and show people the inside of the studio that you have in your house, and then when you start displaying them and, and, and exhibiting them, is there a certain anxiety that comes with that? Do you feel incredibly vulnerable, or was it an exhilarating thing to finally you know, come out, as it were, as a painter? <sighs> Well, unfortunately, River's father had a Widowmaker heart attack and dropped dead um, a few days before my first show. So I didn't really feel much of anything. I was more of an observer floating through the experience. So I, I had kind of an out-of-body experience um, seeing my show. Um, I have to say, it was pouring rain here uh, in California in a way that we are very, very unused to. We're having just torrential rain and ongoing week after week in a way that, as you may know, we've been, we've been used to having fires, not floods. Mm. Yeah. And I think the whole world is, I mean, as you may or may not know, the, the gondolas in Venice are sitting on the ground. There's no water there. Yeah. So we're having all this kind of problems from global warming that are, I don't know if what it is really or whether it's the way we're moving closer to the sun and our world is tipping at like whatever it is, 5%. I think we're rotating at a, at a tilt and maybe we're all getting each other's um, environmental uh, climates. I think our climates are shifting. You know, we may be coming tropical over here. Um, but it was pouring raining on the day of my show at a way where streets were closed and people were flooded in and we didn't think anybody was going to come. And my makeup artist came to do my makeup as a favor for my show. And she came in and she said, honey, do you think they're going to cancel the show? Because no one will come. I said, yes, I do. Let me call them. They're probably going to cancel. And they said, you know, no, people are still, people are still calling to say they're coming. You better get over here. And when I got there, there were people out the door and people waiting outside in the rain. And it was so crowded, you couldn't see the paintings. And mm. 
it was so overwhelming. It was something I so hadn't anticipated that I didn't know what was going on. The, the, the title of this um, exhibition, um, Shedding, um, yes. is also the title of a, a work from actually this year, 2023. And it got me thinking, there's a kind of motif that runs between a few of the works, which has these kind of, it's almost like a snake-like shape, which I, I took from the idea of like snakes shedding their skin, perhaps. But it also reminded me almost of like um, old cinematic kind of reels or like um, yes. Polaroid, not That's Polaroid, it. sorry, um, you know, like film. old-fashioned, yeah, film, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like camera film, even. Mm. Um, there's kind of all these, 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 um, these kind of things that it ignited in my in my mind. So I wanted to know what shedding sort of represented to you and why that was the title of the show in particular. I think we're all shedding. We're shedding our former personalities because we're inside from COVID and inside from great weather shifts and we're coming inside of ourselves and we're shedding, we're shedding, we're losing people in our lives. We're shedding tears. We're shedding selves. We're shedding relationships. We're shedding our former selves. We're shedding everything about our former lives. Everything in our lives is changing and shifting. We're shedding. We're shifting. We're changing. The globe is shedding and changing and shifting it's the planet is shedding and changing and shifting. We're all shedding and changing and shifting. It's the way that it is. Yeah. I mean, and talking about the titles as well, I mean, it feels like you're, you're very spiritual. There's titles like Spirit Guide and, and, and The Compass. Is, is spirituality something that you feel is important for you to channel into your paintings? I think it's also just something that is and is very much a part of this shedding process. Those who are guided by something powerful and true seem to have a direct um, path and purpose. And those who are, I think, misguided are shedding and being shed away. And it's hard, it's hard to see and hard, it's hard for all of us to be around and watch and see and experience. It's a catastrophic moment. And without our faith, how do we move through it? Is, is painting hard for you or is painting something you lock into and it's, it's therapeutic and, and it releases things? Because a lot of the things that, the, the themes and, and the, the, the motifs that you're channeling are very personal. And then you're putting them out there in the world into a, a gallery space for people to, you know, an audience to see. Is that, is that process of going from, you know, your hand to the canvas to them being out there in an in a exhibition a hard process to, to take on board? My intention is so pure so clear and so genuine that it isn't hard. Mm. My intention is such a good one um, that it's not hard. I, 
my intention in my life is so clear to me that even the hard times aren't hard. I don't know how to explain that exactly. Um, I've come to a place within myself where I'm just so clear about myself, my intention, my own purpose and path that it's good to be vulnerable. It's good to share. It's good to be present. It's good to be, it's joyful to share. It's joyful to be vulnerable. It's joyful to be open. I think at the opening of the show, the place was just a buzz. It was was packed. People didn't want to leave. They just loved being in there. Mm. The, I think that my paintings bring people to a place of personal intimacy with each other. And that is very special for me. I see people gathering in front of paintings and just, they gather with each other. They don't gather in groups of two. They're gathering in groups and talking and sharing and they're intimate and, and, whether they know it or not, the paintings seem to be opening them up. Totally. And that is making me feel like my purpose has been fulfilled. I, I feel grateful is what I feel. Wow. You know, it's incredibly generous. I was actually going to mention that earlier because I, I, I find these works and you, like even subconsciously through just having followed you on Instagram over the years, like when Russell said he'd met you, my immediate response was like, I really like her because I think you are such a generous and very open book in a way. And, and I love this, this sort of, for me, the reason I got into art was because of Frida Kahlo and this idea uh, of like a surviving through creation. And that even talking her- about a generous artist, right? Someone who yeah. wholly and completely revealed herself yeah yeah and I just I just think there's something so magic whatever art form you know people choose like you've chosen to make these abstract paintings which do often have kind of figurative elements within them which I want to chat about too but but whichever you know vein we we um we kind of go into it's the most important thing to remember that you can in the darkest of times you know find something that you can create and you can you know, do something more positive. You know, I keep going back to this moment when Hillary Clinton was talking to us. She came out here um, and there was a whole bunch of us in somebody's house and we were on the furniture and I was sitting on the floor, I remember. And she was very casually talking to us and she said, you know, we're politicians and we can do this and that, but you guys are creative. You can do everything. You can write songs, you could paint pictures, you can write books, you could talk to people in ways that we can't. And you should do everything you can, everything. And so I wrote a song for Katrina and I got so much resistance. It was unbelievable the resistance I got for not staying in my lane. Mm. And you're not in the music business and how dare you? 
And I wrote the title track for Come Together Now, the Katrina album, to raise money for charity for Katrina. Mm. And I had this idea of making this album for Katrina. And, oh, the resistance and the criticism and how fucking dare I. And all the stay in your lane, stay in your lane. And I tried to, you know, publish a book of short stories. And nobody wants to hear your short stories, you know. Stay in your lane. And nobody wants to see your this, your art, your this, your that. Stay in your lane. And eventually, when she was saying this, I started realizing people are just telling me to stay in my place. I'm not a dog. Shut up. Shut up. And so I went back to school and I got my college diploma because of Hillary Clinton. Mm. I wrote the title track and got that album on its way because of Hillary Clinton. I went ahead with my life and decided to write my book, tell my story, paint, do what I wanted to do because of that woman that they won't let do the things that she should have been able to do and save this country. Mm. Instead of that jackass mm. destroying this nation, mm. because she was supposed to stay in her place. It's really interesting because Hillary Clinton's now making um, documentaries and movies, predominantly by women directors, and um, kind of uh, bringing to life w women's storytelling. And I think it's also in association with Chelsea, actually, her, her daughter. And I watched a film last night, actually, that they produced um, about Afghanistan called In Her Hands, and it is one of the best films I've ever seen. And I just think it's really interesting that I'm thrilled to hear she's inspired you so much to, um, you know, to give you agency in a way um, and just encouragement, you know, because we do want to hear your short stories, by the way, Sharon. We definitely do. Yes. Like, I would publish them in a heartbeat. Like, I mean, I just I just think everything you're doing, that's partly why we wanted to speak to you is just it's a really good message because why are we trying constantly to shut down our creative potential, which reaches out to people like we spoke about? Why are um, we trying to stop our girl scientists? Yes. Our women doctors. Why are we trying to, to shut down the STEM brilliant genius girls in our nation and abroad when these are half or more than half of the people that can save this planet? What the hell are we doing mm. taking away the rights of half of the people on this planet who have the wisdom to save this planet? Why are these jackass men who don't know anything about medicine? The female anatomy hasn't even been studied on mm. until this century. Mm -mm -mm. Why are these jackass politicians who know even less than doctors who just begun to study upon women's cadavers, trying to make policy on the female body. What kind of jackassery is this? Mm. What kind of stupidity of stay in your place and destroying the education, not uneducating, stopping the education of girls and women. Don't learn about your own body. 
Oh my God. Oh my God. I know it's, it's insane. It's Jack Assery at a level. It is the stay in your place statement of that. I can't even begin to tolerate. Mm -mm -mm. When you, when you're talking about resistance to certain things creatively that you've put out there online, it feels like there is such a, Science is an art form. Medicine is an art form. If we want these girls to study STEM, we have to allow the STEM to be happening to them. Mm. This isn't a policy matter. This is logic. Science is an art. Medicine is an art form. Mm. I love science. I painted a painting called under my skin and the inside and everyone's in love with this painting and they don't know why, but the inside of it is actually painting of inside the skin. And I learned that from a, a medicine book about what saw, what the inside of my skin looked like that my aunt, the painter gave me what the subcutaneous layers of our skin look like that she gave me when I was in the second grade. Now, I wouldn't be making that painting today if I wasn't able to look at the subcutaneous levels of my skin mm. in the second grade. Now, if you can't study your skin, your body, yourself, how are you going to be a painter, let alone a doctor? This is absurd. Mm. How are we going to have anybody doing anything if we can't know our own self? What, what art did you see as a, a kid? Because you grew up in Pennsylvania uh, in a town called Meadville. What was the museums like or galleries? Did you have an experience of viewing art with, with your auntie, for example? Of Would course she take not. You of course not. We had nothing. We didn't even have a stoplight. It was these books, medical books. We couldn't afford the encyclopedias. We were a regular middle American family who thrives, thrives on the regular knowledge that you can get from regular places. This is why regular education, regular books are so important to the regular kid, me, who wants to grow up and be a regular thing, a movie star, a painter, a writer, a scientist, a doctor. This is why we can't ban books. We can't stop people from learning about themselves, the regular world at large. We can't do that because then you can't be anything. You can't be your hometown doctor. You know, when I lived in Africa, when I first started being a, an actress and I went to work on a movie in Zimbabwe and I was there during the apartheid war, you know, I learned all kinds of things. And you may want to be banning books in this country, DeSantis, but you're not going to shut down the practical reality of what's happening in this globe. And I was there with girls who had to go to the bathroom in latrines, who didn't have 
um, sanitary products who also weren't educated like DeSantis hopes to put on this country to create us into a third world country like the Africa I lived in. And let me tell you what it's like when you create an environment like that where girls don't understand what's happening and they're missing a quarter of school to have their period and don't have the products they need. And then suddenly they're missing a quarter of their education and suddenly they're nobody at all. Women in America aren't going to become nobody at all as long as I'm alive. Mm. And if we talk about art, we're going to talk about education mm. and we're going to talk about women's rights because being an artist is the right of everybody, whether you're a girl or a boy. Knowing how to paint yourself is going to be a right while I'm alive, whether you're a girl or a boy. And knowing why you need to paint and want to paint is going to be a right while I'm alive, whether you're a girl or whether you're a boy. Because you're painting from yourself, your soul, your heart. You're saying what's true in you. It's an emotional thing. People look at my paintings and say, is that, is that a cloud? Is that a landscape? It doesn't matter what it is. It matters how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. And if we stop telling people what they can and can't feel and who and who they aren't, then art won't mean anything anymore. Totally. How did you connect with the gallery? How, how did it all come about, that, uh, that journey? Another gallerist came to see my work and told me she was giving me a show in Geneva and that I would need 25 good paintings by fall if I was going to do this show and that my work was so great and so wonderful and really important and wow, was I talented. But really, she just wanted in my house to see the art I had collected because she wanted to try and buy and sell the art I had collected. No. She wasn't really interested in the art I was making. And so she lied to me. And so I worked day and night, day and night, 12, 15, 17 hours a day painting so that I would have 40 good paintings because 25 aren't 25 good ones. You need at least 40 to make sure you have 25 good enough for a show. <laughs> sure. So I painted way more, way more than 25 paintings. I painted until my children were worried about me. Mom, you're not eating. Mom, you're not sleeping. Mom, you get out of bed, put on your boxer shorts and T-shirts, and you paint until you drop. You're not eating. We're worried about you. Mom, the studio has to come out of the bedroom. <laughs> and I painted, and I painted, and I painted. And she blew me off. Mm. And so I decided that I would give my paintings that I liked to the people that I liked. Mm. And that I would give them as an act of love. And that I would not have it be something that upset me or made me feel any other way other than wonderful. Because, as I said, I don't have those feelings anymore. Now I have only the feelings of gratitude. And so I chose very specific paintings for very specific people. Oh, wow. And I gave them to them for Christmas. 
And some people started to see them and they came and they started buying my paintings and they started selling for quite a bit of money. And it was kind of unbelievable. And it started really, really working. And then it came along and it was my friend's, my dear friend's birthday. And I made her a very specific painting for her home. And I took a truck. I, my friend and I drove a truck over to her house and carried it in for her birthday party. And by the end of the party, people were lining up asking me for commissions. <gasps> and within a couple of weeks, I got a call from a gallery and they said, we'd like to offer you a show. We'd like to come for a studio visit. And that's how it happened. Wow. So when it, wow. When it, when it comes to collectors now then, and, and pricing your works, is that something that you're across? How, how do you price a Sharon Stone painting? What is, what is the thought process in that? And what do you feel about collectors living with your work now? Well, they're priced at the price that I could make them and supply them to collectors and the amount of my time that it takes to do them and um, the collectors that came looking. Um, So because I am a collector myself, Mm -hmm. I have a pretty keen sense of the art world. Um, And so... When I looked at the collectors who were coming and the size of the canvases they were looking at and the art that I was making, I chose an introductory price um, that people were willing to pay. Mm. And so they were selling at a particular price. And when the gallery came for a show, they suggested a price that was in concert with the price I was already selling at. Hmm. What, what, what does it feel like to have your art on collectors' walls? And then as a collector yourself, I'd love to delve into your own collection because I know there was a, a spread in Architectural Digest uh, where we see some incredible Basquiat's in your collection. There's a Mimo Palladino painting, which I'm completely enthralled by and, and you do have an amazing eye for that. So The Mimo Palladino was a painting that I had wanted. And when it came up for sale, I couldn't afford it. Someone outbidded me. And years later, it came up for sale again, and I got it. Wow. Um, and I was very happy to have it. I think it's a very particularly intriguing painting. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm collecting unknown works. Um, unknown painters. Uh, It depends. I also collect photographs, particular photographs. Um, I have a really great collection of Herman Leonard photographs. Um, I'm a big fan of Herman Leonard. Who's Uh, Herman Leonard? Can you tell us about them? Herman was a New Orleans photographer who photographed everyone from Albert Schweitzer to uh, Clark Gable to Etta James uh, to uh, he photographed all of the great jazz musicians uh, Thelonious Monk um, uh, Ella Fitzgerald uh, man everyone I mean he was he just photographed everybody uh, 
And he went and he, he photographed Marilyn Monroe on the pink elephant in uh, Madison Square Garden. Wow. He was a great photographer in that period, but he was particularly interested in the jazz artists of that period. And, but he went and photographed amazing scientists and fascinating people of that period. Uh, Tennessee Williams, uh, uh, as I said, Schweitzer, which I thought was fascinating. And, oh, my God, Einstein. And uh, mm. he photographed, uh, I have some amazing, I have Einstein, Tennessee Williams, and I have... Who else do I have? I have Monroe. I have Sinatra. I have Ella Fitzgerald. Um, I have a big, big collection of his work. I'm big uh, Coco Chanel. Uh, he photographed fascinating people, uh, and I really, really like his work. Are you drawn to photography over other mediums? As no, a no, no. The first painting I ever collected was a uh, Tamara de Lempica. Uh, wow! I just thought she was a very underestimated, phenomenal painter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, who I really thought was just extraordinary. Um, but I'm, I really, I've quietly collected because in our town, you know, business managers are very corrupt. And I remember when one really ripped off Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and I figured I would be ripped off in my career and I have been. So I figured I had to put things on the wall that I would, would protect me and save me. Mm. Do you, do you feel like collecting? Me personally, I'm me and Rob collect. We're like complete addicts for art. Do you feel like it's in some ways a self-portrait? Do you look at the art that you've collected over the years and also see it in synergy with a production that you were working on, or something you were writing, or something you were producing, for example? And then this artwork came into your life at that period in time. Probably just Botero's portrait of a young artist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, sort of. Maybe they're like self-portraits of like a life. They're like a collage of a life, Mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I find an authentic collection feels like. Yeah, you know, I have the, I feel the proud owner of um, having Mandela's um, artist proof of his drawing of, in crayons, of Tabletop Mountain from inside his prison cell. Whoa. Oh my God. So, I mean, that maybe is maybe the thing that is the most touching to me of everything I have. Where do you, where do you show it in your house? Where, what room is it in? It's in the dining room. So everybody who comes over for dinner can mm-hmm. see it? Yes. 
That's beautiful. Wow. You know, I knew I was going to love you, Sharon, because <laughs> so. you, posted a, you posted a video the other day of you with some perfume and you were in your bathroom and you had so much art in your bathroom. And I was like, I love her. <laughs> oh, my I saw, bathroom I saw the, is full yeah. of photographs. I have yeah. Chris Levine is my friend. I was going to uh, say, I saw the portrait of the queen. Yeah. I love the one where he did um, her with her eyes, eyes closed. closed That's oh. the one he gave me. And oh my so God, good. oh my God, that every day I look at that while I brush my teeth is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> well, we love the queen, obviously. Um, I also have a portrait of Tony Perkins behind my bathroom door. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com <laughs> Have you met a lot of... Uh artists uh i mean you collect living artists but also you have artists like basquiat who's passed sadly but do you do you like to meet artists and have you met any kind of superstars and had a great time with them i was great friends with robert rauschenberg oh wow whoa yeah so i have so many rauschenbergs that it's a bit crazy because um we met and we became such friends that i would go and stay with him and we did this project where he would say, if you do this project, I'll give you a piece of art. And then we did a project and he didn't send a piece of art. And then someone said, he's asked me to do it. And he said, he'll give me a piece of art. And I said, well, tell him I'm still waiting on mine just to be a smart ass. Mm -hmm. And so he sent me 32 shirt boards, which were, he, he did these projects where wherever he would stay, he would take the cardboard shirts boards out of his shirts when they came back from the laundry, and he would make a collage from whatever hotel he was staying in. And they were like trained stubs and drawings and collage of a drawing. He would do at his desk and something else, and then he would glue it all onto the shirt board. And he sent me 32 shirt boards. Whoa. And so I have this collection that I framed like they were like pressed between glass, like they were like scientific specimens. Uh, yes. Mm. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. When I, I put it up and take it down, you know, as I move things through the house, and sometimes I have them up and it's just like, this kind of wonderful science thing that goes through the whole house. It's just beautiful. 
you're a proper collector that you rotate then Sharon things are yeah, going rotate. in rotation <laughs> and in, in and out of storage and it's yeah it, that's absolutely a- because it's so fun you know because I have like even my teacher Roy London you know like uh I think it was Life or Look magazine did this story on him as a little boy because he told all these fantastical stories in his class, like he stood up and made up all these crazy stories when he was in kindergarten. And I think it was Look magazine came and did a whole story on him. And it's this whole with photographs. So I have this whole big framed thing of him in his little overalls in school telling this fantastical story about Mickey and Minnie, you know, how their love story and them kissing each other and all, all this beautiful thing. And so sometimes I need that to be up and, you know, all this amazing stuff that I've collected over the years from all over the planet where I've traveled and collected art and artifacts. And yes, I am a proper crazy collector. There's an artist that I work with, and she's one of my best friends and a very close friend of Russell called Tracy Emin. She's a very oh um, that Margate artist. Museum. Oh my god! <laughs> so she told me she'd met you, and she really she she really remembers having a lovely dinner with you. But I heard oh. you, basically somebody delivered something today, and then they were like, "Oh, Sharon Stone's been in Margate," and I was like, "Really?" Because I live in Margate, the seaside town. Where no, you don't. Yeah, I do, and so does Russell. Oh, Russell has a house dream, there. My dream, my dream, is to have a studio in Margate. I oh, want you come, come anytime. Visit. We will find you a studio. Tracy has an art school. We will find she's you just a studio. Opened, she's just opened an art school. She come to Margate. Saturday. Come to Margate. I'd like to do an artist residence in Margate for like. Done. We would love. To, it's we would done. Love you it's done, Sharon. Come. Can you I come no this summer? It's yes, my yes, yes, a hundred percent easy. Easy that bakery, the the in the in the in the little inside mall with that amazing yeah, yeah. modern provider. Oh, making all those gluten free things and the oh. the the wonderful they person in there who makes the fabulous food. Oh my God, I love Margate and that sculpture of the man that goes underwater in Anthony front of Gormley. the museum. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, Margaret's so cool. This is so, so I, amazing. I, I know it's hilarious. So I, I, I run a gallery. I summer dresses in that shop oh. where they make those summer dresses. I love Margate so much. Wow. Well, Margate loves you officially. Both of us live in Margate. It's hilarious. I'll um, come and Tracy, do, Tracy love would love to see you. A painting summer in Margate would be a dream come true for me. Right, oh we're, we're set it up. Let, let's all get my on. My best friend emails. lives down the road. Stone Beach is our. House. I know. Is it? Is it Carol Silla? No, it's Adele Ryder. Oh, Adele. Okay, okay, okay. And I we go to sure. Stone Beach and hang. There's people that run Ridley Scott's company are in Margate. Oh, yes, really? they have a house there. They come on the weekends. So funny. We were saying, Sharon, that it feels like amazing propaganda for Margate that Sharon Stone is endorsing <laughs> this little coastal town in Kent all you the way from like, Los Angeles. We, we all moved here in like 2017 and then we opened a gallery in 2019 and it's become very successful. We get like 8,000 visitors to a show. Like it's it's totally changed you our lives. You can't be serious. I'm so the thrilled. Ki- the kids in the joke store are my friends. 
That's, I know, well, that's the thing. The people who, bought, who I bought the table off said to me, oh, Sharon bought a fluffy, uh, feathery kind of lamp from us. Like, she's lovely. We know I did, well. and it's by my piano here in my house. So funny. This is, this is kind of blowing I'm my gonna, mind. So. I'm going to DM you on Instagram. And I bought a piece it's of art funny. from a woman who lives there, and that piece of art ended up in a, in a great show. And it's a piece... <laughs> it's a piece. It's frankly, it's really great, and it's it's supposed to be a bunch of vaginas. <laughs> wow, love it's this. really great, and the show her her piece really got a lot of attention. And yes, I bought this great piece of art there, and and the, I went every day. I went to that shop, that place, the bakery. There has the most wonderful scones and food and. <laughs> oh my God! The food is so fresh and marvelous. Yeah, that's the, it's it's really all come alive as well. In the oh last my few God! Years. There's so many amazing things. And I sit outside there and eat, and then I go down to the joke store. Oh my God! The whole thing. I just love it there. I, I cannot. We're going to be we're, we're going to be bonded. hanging out there. We're going to be hanging out there this summer. Well, Sherry. I want to come. Can, can I an artist in residence because. We're going to talk to you, Tracy. We're going to work it out. We're going to work I've it out. Been, we are dead I've been talking to out. my gallerist, you know, Erica Lush, and I said, I really want to go and do a, an art residency for a month. Can you send me some places that you think might be great for me? And they've sent me places, but not that I thought were the ones. Oh, this is just so exciting. Nothing would be better. Isn't funny thing? I feel like it's yeah. all meant to be. Synergy. Yeah. Oh, this is just yeah. terribly exciting. Oh. How brilliant. So can I, can I talk about the mediums? We talked about acrylic paint and you said you started off in watercolour, but I, I read that you've actually used makeup brushes and it's a London-based makeup brush company that you've used in certain paintings. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they blend, they blend really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> they actually, you know... People, um, you know, painting brushes are made for painters and makeup brushes are made for makeup artists. But I have found that some of these makeup brushes are cut and made out of such fine um, fibers and they're cut in such a beautiful rounded way to contour the face that when you're want to blend something in a really super fine way. They're actually just cut and made simply for blending. And they blend really, really, really well. Well, that's a hot tip. I'm sure a lot of people listening to be like, oh my God, they didn't even consider a makeup brush to make a painting. That's so genius. I've got a question as well about the show that's on at the moment in LA because there's a painting that's called A Poem About Ducks. Yes. I and was. even though it's an abstract painting, there are these moments where you can actually, uh, the ducks are kind of appearing, right. almost like they're, they're swimming in a sea right. or something. But also that work has a lot of like, almost like scratch right. or something. I couldn't work it out from the image, but I wanted to ask you. Because that seems like a very playful one. And is there a poem about ducks? Well, I just think that, you know, how they always say that, like, um, you know, ducks are trying to swim in the wrong direction. And they, they're, you know, when women get together, they're like a gaggle of geese and oh, all yeah. of this stuff. Well, I really just think, thought that, like, there's something 
about that that's very um, beautiful and abstract and um, and I wanted it to have this antique kind of uh, almost etiquette about the painting. I wanted it to have this sense of this is the rightness of that. This is the this is the this is the this is the privilege and the the heritage and the uh, past and the future of that. This is, you know, this is the way that that is. This is, this is, this is the way that that appears through, through the rain, through the fog, through the window, you know, down the stream, in your past, in your future. I wanted it to have that sense of, as we look back in our memory, as we look forward in our memory, <laughs> this is the way that this is. This is the poetry about us ducks. We, we do this thing and it has its own natural uh, wisdom and flow and elegance and truth and history and there's poetry to that. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm. Oh. Mm. Wonderful. You've, you've had an amazing response uh, online and it seems critically as well to, you know, from, from publications online and people writing about it to, to your work. And you've got um, a lot of celebrity fans. Priyanka Chopra, who's a friend of mine, is always commenting on, on your posts. And, and also Jerry Jerry Salt. Jerry Salt, senior art critic for the New York Magazine, is always going woo-woo. He's in our new book, great. actually. We love yeah. to. Oh, really? He's Jerry commented? Yes. Yeah, he 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 keeps commenting on your on your paintings. Like keep going, and this is yeah. great. And... He says stuff like "Good on you," and like this is yeah. great. Uh, yeah. That's art world endorsement. I have to say, he's one of my favorite art critics. I I really yeah. do love follow. I follow him, and I love his. Um, I love the way he respects art and artists. <laughs> I love the way he's really true in his uh, look and observation at art. Mm. I mean, he... Yeah, totally. He's just, he's, he's again very generous, actually. Well, he's, yes. he takes the time and he's, cle he's clear in his ability to be present with something. Yes. Mm. Mm. What, is, what is the dream for your art? Sharon, like you, you've now had your first solo exhibition. Um, you're going to have a residency in Margate. <laughs> Yay! Oh my God! <laughs> what is the dream for Margate? Is your such art a gorgeous now? place. I don't know if people really understand. Oh, we they, talk about it all the time. Trust me, they're sick of hearing about Margate on this podcast. There is an agent in Hollywood who always says to Russell, like, what is this Margate thing? Margate, Margate, Margate. Please Your colleague Rob Margate. keeps talking about it. I'll tell you it. what the Margate <laughs> thing is. For people who are genuine artists, 
like the really the hippie kind of artists, not the fake like, oh, you know, I'm an artist and I can only survive in my limousine, but people who genuinely <laughs> love being an artist, love to feel their feet in the sand because they want to know what sand looks, feels, smells, touch, tastes like, what it feels like against your body, what it's like when you mix it with paint, what it's like when you mix it in food, you know, what is it like? Those people are going to love Margate. People who like whole food, not I have to be in the fanciest restaurant in the planet. People who want to have some space to work in, not the fanciest space to work in. Those people are going to like Margate. People who like human beings, not I have to be around the poshest people on the planet, are going to like Margate. Yeah, it's all true. Here, 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 here. But, but for you, uh, after the residency, what is the dream for your art, and where would you like to exhibit? And where do you sort of want to? Who do you want to be shown alongside? Who are your art heroes that you would love to be in, like a group show with or a duo show? Well, I'd like to be shown everywhere. You know, obviously, everybody wants to be shown in Berlin and Scandinavia and all of these places that become, you know let your work see, um, I want the different parts of the world. I want to be in different parts of the world like that. You know, I know that there's like, so these women have a, an art gallery somewhere like Croatia or not Croatia, some Eastern Bloc country that the new gallery has been formed by a bunch of women in some Eastern Bloc country and they're trying to get push their construct forward of having this female gallery in this tough Eastern Bloc country. I'm like, I want to go there. I want my art to be there. I want to go in these places where people aren't used to having art come. I want to go and and teach art in places where people aren't used to having someone come and teach art. I want to mm. be expansive just like I do with every other thing. I want to see what the world is like and how I can go experience my art and the world with other people around the world. I mean, I've already been offered shows in different places from the, my opening, which is already shocking and thrilling. And we'll see where it takes me. I just, you know, I just want to, I want to see what the destiny of this is and where I have the opportunity to go and experience mine and other people's art. You know, I've had this wonderful opportunity that my fame has given me, which is to go in museums when museums are closed so that wow, I don't yes. disrupt other viewers' experience. And so to get to go in a museum when no one else is there and to sit on the floor in a gallery and spend an hour where I can lay on the floor and look at any individual painting and just be with it or sculpture or collage or whatever it may be and spend time, my own where time doesn't exist and absorb these different constructs of art has been unbelievable to me. I've had the same bodyguard for 30 years 
Uh, and he says, when I started, I didn't know anything about art. Now I could be a docent. And it's unbelievable what you've done for me, that I've gotten to go in museums all over the world and spend this kind of time in museums. And now I get to watch you grow as a painter. And it's just unreal what has happened to me. What you've given me artistically is unreal. And he feels like his whole life, his whole world has been about art because we've spent so much time together in museums. And it's just, it's just phenomenal, this opportunity that my fame gave me to live in museums in every town, city, country that I've gotten to travel in. Because when I was a kid, I grew up in the middle of, uh, you know, farming, industrial, uh, near the docks of the five Great Lakes and Amish country. There weren't any museums. There wasn't any anything where I grew up. And so to have an opportunity to do this is just incredible. It's been an incredible thing. Can you remember on one of those trips to one of these museums, was there one particular artwork that really you remember, like, connecting with? And Well, I mean, you know, there's nothing like sitting in a room with Magritte everywhere and you're laying on the ground and there's Magritte sculpture and you're just laying there next to it. There's nothing like being with, uh, you know, Klimt and you're laying on the ground looking at Judith all day, you know? No. There's wow. nothing like going to see the exhibition of Mozart and getting to play his piano, you know? And then the museum in Vienna was like, we can see how much you love the art. And they let us stay all evening and brought artwork out that hadn't been seen in two, three hundred years. Mm. No so way. So I saw... Amazing. We need to hang out with you, Sharon. Well, we are. <laughs> I, know, I, I saw Da Vinci's <laughs> and, you know, just drawings of hands that people that haven't seen in hundreds of years because of the light. They can't be brought out in daylight. You have to be in the museum at night in order to see them. And so I've seen works that would make your head fall off. You know what I mean? Just, just drawings of hands in prayer that are like, whoa, who, wow, you can't be serious. And just things, little things like that that are like big things that are little but big. And, you know, things that like where I've sat inside, I got to sit inside a museum also in v Vienna, and I asked for paper, and I did rubbings off of things uh, uh, that were carved on the walls and the floors. And uh. th that's a very big deal for someone like me. That was a very, very big deal for me, you know, just to make rubbings. And, you know, I take advantage of every opportunity. I got to see... I was great friends with Art Buckwald and we happened to be in Paris at the same time and we got to see the Hopper show. And that was also because Art was so hilarious. <laughs> so we got to see Hopper, just us. That's and so I mean, cool. come I like on. I the idea of rubbings as well. I mean, That's really cool, the idea. Oh, 
you know, I mean, and the auctions I've gotten to do. You I mean, think of the art, you know. So I was auctioning Nick Brandt um, photographs. And for some odd reason, some of them weren't selling at this time because it was some time ago before people really were getting it. And I got to buy these great Nick Brandt photographs for way less than what you would be paying for them now, you know. <laughs> so I've had an opportunity not only to, or sometimes people will donate, someone donated like a cause, cause donated a painting many years ago to an auction that I did in an environment where the people really didn't get that. And so no one was buying it. And in the end, I was like, well, I'm buying that painting. Because I thought, no one's going to bid on this. You know, I'll buy it and put it in storage. And we'll see what happens to this artist. Well, look what happened to this artist, you know? <laughs> you got a good eye. You got a very well, good Well, for eye. 10 grand, yeah, I'm also... pretty fucking happy that I bought it. You know what I mean? You the thing I love about you, Sharon, is you you also trust in in art, don't you? You you sort of trust in the creative process. I love the fact you were talking about supporting, you know, unknown painters. Mm. And also the fact that you're using the platform you have to kind of actually send a message into the world. It's not it's not vacuous. There's this real kind of depth and uh, it's an inspiring call for people to kind of wake up, be creative and kind of improve their own lives and take control of their lives and live in the moment. I just think it's... COVID gave us an opportunity to refind our soul and center. I'm really sorry that many people decided their soul and center was malice and viciousness because there was a whole lot more to come to. And for those of us who decided to find something good inside, there is a lot of good inside to find. And it has been very comforting and dignifying, and something that we have to give others. And there's a lot that others need right now. And maybe your gift isn't that you get to be a doctor or a nurse who are greatly in need in this moment. But there's a lot that we can do to be there for other people. There is a lot that we can do to be present and kind and bring joy to other people. We don't have to bring malice and unrest. There is a lot of good that we can do, a lot of good that we can do, because we all have some kind of skill, however rudimentary. And these rudimentary skills can become something. I didn't think I was going to have an art show. I never even considered that I was going to have an art show. I, th- I think sometimes when you strip back all of the, you know, noise around us, all of the kind of layers, um, all of the glitter in a way and the kind of, I don't know, all, all that stuff that surrounds our lives, it's like actually when you when you reduce it back and you strip it back to your core self, that's actually when the most powerful things can happen. And I think that's in a way what's happening with your work. Totally. You know? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to witness. Um so we have um, final questions now. We're going to move on to Sharon. This has been just incredible. Uh, we're both obsessed I'm with so you. I'm glad um, because I'm going to need people to hang out with in Margate. <laughs> you don't get it. Don't feel bad. Don't yeah, feel you're going to be, be busy 
and yeah, we keep yeah, yeah. well nourished absolutely with people. Um, so much so great art here. If you could do an art heist, you could steal any work of art in the world for yourself nicely. What would it be and why? Well, I know I'm going to be very unpopular because we're not supposed to like Picasso right now because he was such a misogynist. But I do want the Dora Mar <laughs> blue period. Uh, I want that very much. I would very much like to have a Rothko um, or just the knowledge of how to make one myself because God knows I've tried to figure that out. Um, he's, what a, what, how beautiful. The Rothkos are so beautiful. Um, hard to get past that. Um, I very much would just like to, in art, it's hard to want in a time when the world needs so much. You know what I mean? It's hard to want personally. I mean, I've always thought, oh, God, I really like to have those. But then as we grow older, we start, the, the, the desire to have is so diminished. Um, to have... I mean, I wouldn't mind having a giant sculpture. Uh, I think we'd all like to have a gigantic caldera, mm. uh, you know, down by the pool or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if there was no, no uh, thing to want or not want. Um, of course, who wouldn't want a Miro? I, I would love to have a Miro, like that one, that green one that was in Wall Street. That was yeah. so beautiful. Um, mm. Let's see, what else? Yeah, that one that demonstrated greed. <laughs> You've got, you got a whole shopping list of art heists here, Sharon. Actually, the, if you can't get the if you can't get the colder work yourself, you can always go and stay at the Colomb Door. I have, and isn't that the Devant. greatest oh, yeah. thing ever? So oh beautiful. my god! Oh my god! Every time I go, I have to go over there and have dinner. Every time I go down to south of France, because you just have to get over there and be walk through there at night. It's great to have dinner late so that everybody else leaves and then you can just wander through there. And What is it, Rob? Is it a foundation for Calder? St. Paul de Vance. No, it's like um, an amazing town, I think. It's a little it? town where the art, these artists lived in the summer and they gave their work in order to eat. And this, like this restaurateur let them stay there and eat there and drink there, and he gave, they gave their works. Uh, Calder, um, Miro, Leger, uh, incredible. All of these, most of the Magnificent Seven stayed there. And, yeah. and um, Matisse did the chapel in Vence. There's the Matisse chapel there, and all of the windows and the prayer gowns of the priests were all made by Matisse. And it's really unbelievable. And it's so gorgeous that it's, it's really mind-blowing. And it's tiny, but you can still rent a room there. And they're like little caves. And they're beautiful. And I've stayed there 
a number of times and gone to the chapel a number of times. And I was there last summer again. And it's just, you absolutely have to go there and you have to see it. And people who love art really should make this journey. It's like a spiritual journey. And I've gone there so many times that they gave me one of the bocce balls that um, (laughs) these great actors and actresses of the 40s and 50s would go there and they'd play bocce on the in the courtyard out front and they signed and gave me one of the bocce balls from there that I have in my collection as well and it's a very big deal to me it's a metal bocce ball and you know probably almost no one but me knows what it is but it's quite meaningful to me because you know you know, there's so many photographs of people sitting there and being there. And I mean, it's really, it's almost like, it's almost like a spiritual journey to go there if you're an artist. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And if you haven't been there, you can Google La Colombe d'Or. Um, it's C-O-L-O-M-B-E-D apostrophe O-R, like gold in French. Um and check it out because it's an amazing... So it's the Golden Dove um, is what it is. <clears throat> the Golden Dove, mm. that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sharon, are there any movies to do with art or documentaries or things like that that obviously because of your history in cinema, we thought it might be interesting to find that out? My favourite one is probably the Francis Bacon one. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one that was mind-blowing. I haven't seen it in a long time. That's the one. That was yeah. insanely I, I just, great. I just saw his... His show in Paris a year or so ago, maybe two years ago now, or even longer, maybe my, my sense of time's terrible. But the Francis Bacon um, massive retrospective at the Pompidou was so incredible. So and also the more recent one on... Um, Turner was yeah. so great. Oh, the uh, the Mike Lee yes. film with Timothy Spallpain. Absolutely. Well, that, we know that's set in Margate of, of again because Turner painted the skies of yes. Margate. So yes. it's like Timothy Spall is awesome. Well, Timothy Spall is one of the all-time greatest actors, <clears throat> in my opinion, and I think Mike Lee is one of the most fascinating directors ever. Just mm. ever. Agree. I'm absolutely gone for all of his films. Just the way that he investigates character is, I don't know how to say it in any way except better than almost everybody else. Just better. (laughs) That's a very good review. I like that. The other question we ask every guest is, what is your favorite color? Which is quite a good one for you because your paintings are such explorations of color. Yeah, this is the... This is... uh, the one thing I do know that people say about my paintings, because my gallerist has talked to me about it on several occasions, is that he says that people say that I am a good colorist. C- color is something, I believe that everything is a wavelength. Color, sound, wellness, sickness, emotion, light, everything is a wavelength. And wavelength communicates everything, emotion, uh, heat, cold, everything, everything is a wavelength, everything. And 
So color, and Turner was very, he created such mood in that in the color. And you look at the way, well, if you look at, say, Lucian Freud, the interesting thing that he did with color was the way it, it moved, right? The way the movement is what happened in his paintings that made you feel the feelings that you feel, right? So it's color and movement, right? And um, I mean, I think it's Alabama Shakes that has that song, Color and Sound, right? And yeah. I think that when I paint, I listen to all different kinds of um, music, depending on what I'm painting and the day. And I feel like we have to, we have to think about everything in terms of, everything is our particles, they're small particles, right? Atoms, nucleus, uh, right? And even paint, as it breaks down, it never breaks down all the way. So when you mix colors, they never actually mix. They're always separate particles. And the different colors, they break down differently. And different types of paint break down differently. And the finer milled the paint is, the finer it breaks down. And sometimes cheaper paint is great because it doesn't break down as much. And the color particles don't separate as much. And that can be really good in certain circumstances where you want the paint that you're mixing, you want the colors to separate. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when you want the color to mix but then to separate again on the canvas, you want a cheaper paint <laughs> because you want it to blow back apart when you're putting it on the canvas. And you want the colors to come together but blow apart. And this is a very intriguing aspect of mixing paint because chemically, when you want paint to blend, you need finer milled paint. But when you want paint to blow apart on the canvas, you want cheaper paint because it's not milled. Just like makeup, really expensive makeup is milled really, really finely. That's why it's so expensive. Creams, perfumes, they use less artificial things, more natural things, and they're milled more finely. That's why things are more expensive, right? It's the more than the natural the product, the more finely it can be milled. And the more the particles break down into a finer element and blend more finely and mix more purely. Same thing with paint. When it's more fine, it breaks down, it mixes more finely. When it's cheaper, it doesn't mix more finely and it blows back apart. So when you're thinking about your color and how, what you want it to do on the canvas, whether you want it to stay together or blow apart. Well, most fine artists want their colors to stay together once they mix them. I don't always. I sometimes really, really like that they blow back apart on the canvas. 
because it creates a different formulation of the colors that I've mixed. And then it creates a more abstract color formulation, which to me, in many ways, it becomes more natural because we are allowing the pigments to blow back apart in a way that we can see the mix of the color. So it depends on what I'm painting, how I mix the color and the paint, and what color and which paint. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That, I think that is actually legitimately the best answer we've ever had to what is your favorite, <laughs> favorite color. color. Yeah, I've never even thought about color like in that well, sense. When, like, when, you know, splitting apart and atoms. When and my youngest son was little, I said to him, what's your favorite color? And he said, black mommy because it has all the colors in it. Oh, that's beautiful. That's small. And I thought, oh, you are my kid. <laughs> yes. But actually, that's true, because Russell told me yesterday that you've got a really high IQ. What IQ of 154. And I was like, that's why I love her. <laughs> um, <laughs> your, your son's inherited that, So, yeah. for me, there is no individual color. Every color has other colors in it. There is no color that we ever see that's a pure singular color. There is no green. There's green, green, yellow, green, blue, green, green, orange, green, brown, green, beige, green, green with pale green, green. What color of green? Which kind of green are we talking? Which color of blue are we talking? What color of red, pink, pink, red, pink, magenta, pink, red, 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 red with purple, red with blue, red. What kind of red are we talking? I mean, you know, there isn't a color. There is, there is no singular color that exists. You find that because try to make lavender, for example. That is one of the hardest damn colors to get. <laughs> to get a really good lavender without it being pukey is really, 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 really hard, okay? Because it's just non it's a non-existent color, okay? So we have to determine what is a color for to start with. How do you pick a color? Well, people, the, the general consensus is that blue is everybody's favorite color. But what's blue? Blue, is it a reflection? Is the ocean blue? No. When I wanted to make my swimming pool blue, I had to actually paint the surface of my swimming pool like a, like a circus peanut, like a color of a really disgusting orangey color to fill it so it would reflect blue from the sky. Because, wow, because you can't paint your pool blue and then get blue when you fill it. It doesn't turn blue then. It'll turn some weird, blackish, gray, awful, scary color. You, you don't get blue in your pool. You don't get an aqua swimming pool by painting your pool aqua. So because you have to deal with light reflection through water. So what color is blue? So what's my favorite color? You know, the color that that mixes today <laughs> all the colors yeah you, you need to do um, some lecturing on all colors, the colors mommy colors. That's, yeah all the colors <laughs> so mommy. good 
so good. What's what's the best advice you've ever received, Sharon, when it comes to your art? Listen. I mean, that is that is true. I think it's actually that's probably the solution to the world's problems. <laughs> it really is. I right? think that's why Obama was such a good president. He's like the only one we've had in in certainly my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Maybe Kennedy, but I was so tiny when he died mm. that was ever I ever noticed that was listening to anyone, not just waiting to talk. Yes. Agree. Well, this has well, been heaven. I think for our listeners, listening to you today will be the dream. This has been uh, wonderful. We've talked for an hour and a half, Sharon. And, and there's it's so been many like launch points and kind of like estuaries and yes it's to spark off other people's creativity it's fantastic thank you so you are the most amazing human being i'm so grateful to have met you virtually and i cannot wait to give you a big hug in margate you're just saying that because i love margate so much (laughs) no i love a combination of everything you know what sharon i'm not lying i genuinely loved you anyway because i think that you're a very sort of principled person and i really respect how much you care about other human beings and your Thank activism, you. your, your performances. Like I even watched Basic Instinct again last week and your performance is so extraordinary in that film. Like mm. it's so layered and deep and dark and psychological. You're just extraordinary. And you can only be that good an actor if, if you're like, like you're doing listening actually, you know. And, and I watched so many intriguing things and read so many wonderful things to do that performance. I read every, um, I read every one of the Joan of Arcs. Wow. And I read Darkness Visible by William Styron. And I watched all of the documentaries of serial killers. And I learned so much in my preparation for that film. And it took a long time for people to take my work seriously in that film, but it is very serious work. No, it's incredible. It's actually quite disturbing. I mean, it's it's incredibly terrifying. And also just so cool at the same time. It's like such a weird combination, which is what the character was. But I actually thought to myself, you have to really craft that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's incredible. It was brutal. It was brutal to do. It was very costly, personally. Mm. And to make it seem so effortless... Because it was scary. It was very scary to play that character. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. It's like traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, thanks for watching you know what? it. You know what, Sharon? A big thank mm-hmm. you to you and a, a big kind of virtual hug just to say thank you because I, I love everything that you're about. And I'm so grateful that you've given us this time yeah. and, that, and that you're making this art and sharing that with the world. People thank need you. to go onto your social media and uh, they can see your art more and you're updating regularly with... Uh, videos of you in your studio and with works of art that you've made and they can go back and they can see those but what is your uh, Instagram handle is that where you show most of your art my Instagram handle is uh, I don't know it's at at Sharon Stone it's very direct okay oh is it at Sharon Stone it has a blue tick next to it so you know it's the legit Mm. the legit and we definitely have put paintings up there and she'll put more in the 
in the future. I just made one for a friend of mine and we'll probably post that. Incredible. And we will be posting and linking to Alouche Gallery as well in LA, who's currently showing um, Sharon Stone's exhibition, Shedding. Shedding. And it runs until the 31st of March. So if you're listening in Los Angeles or in America and you want to fly to Los Angeles to see it, maybe that's a bit extreme, but you could. Um, you know, this. people did fly here to the show. Love that. And anyway, it was marvelous. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, you, you still have time to see it because we're going to put this out immediately, hopefully. So, um, yeah, thank you, Sharon. And hopefully we'll see each other very soon. Thanks, everybody listening. And, thank um, you. We'll see Thanks you next And week. everybody Everyone. listening, fly to Margate. It is worth the flight, I promise. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com